This is the John Oakley Show podcast. As our coverage continues, the testimony of Jody Wilson-Raybould before the House Justice Committee and uh, having given her statement of 30-plus minutes, uh, rather interesting insofar as uh, pretty much standing on principle and throwing a number of people, including perhaps the Prime Minister, under the bus for uh, having trying to influence and pressure her, her own words. Uh, We now pick up the questioning from members on the committee, including Lisa Wright from the opposition benches. Thank you very much, Ms. Wilson-Raybould. I appreciate your patience on getting here today. It hasn't been an easy path, but I know that Canadians really appreciate it, and they appreciate your testimony today. And I just want to start off by saying that I believe every word that you said today. And I appreciate your honor, and I appreciate your honesty, and I appreciate your integrity and grit in coming forward in the way you have. So I do have some questions, though, and I'd be grateful for your input and your point of view. Um, First and foremost, uh, I'd like to know, the Prime Minister has said that you will be able to discuss all relevant information, but do you believe that there is relevant information that you are unable to include in your 30-minute statement that would be helpful for the committee? Well, thank you for the the comments and and the question. Um, As I said in my letter to the committee yesterday, as I said in my remarks, Today, the extent of the order in council and the waiver of privilege and confidentiality extends to January the 14th when I was sworn in as the Minister of Veterans Affairs. So it does not include any conversations that occurred thereafter. It does not include conversations that I may or may not have had with the Prime Minister. And it does not include the conversation that I had with my former Cabinet colleagues um, after my resignation from Cabinet. Do you think those would be relevant to our considerations? Well, I believe that having heard some of the deliberations and questions asked by the committee over the course of the meetings that you've had, um, some of the questions would um, be answered if that information was made available. One of the one of the important pieces of your of your testimony today were the the number of names that you provided for us, giving us a different list of characters that have been involved in this situation since it began in September. I'm wondering if you'd be so kind to provide us with a full list of those names. I've jotted down a few of them, but I don't have the complete listing. Would that be something you'd be willing to do for us? I I believe the full list of names is contained within the remarks that I think are being distributed. Um, But if I um, counted incorrectly, I will provide all of the names. I appreciate it. Just on page 14, you mentioned that there were various officials that came forward at the time. If you have any recollection of who the various officials were, that would be helpful for us in terms of making sure we have a complete list of all the de- of all the um, witnesses. Um, on January 7, you pointed out to us that you were told that you were being removed as the um, Attorney General. Um, as well, you posted a very lengthy Facebook post after your movement to the Minister of Veterans Affairs, but I would assume that you thought a lot about what you would include in a note like this during the time when you were actually Attorney General. And as such, I I think and I believe that the statement that you made, even though it was on when you were Minister of Veterans Affairs, technically did come to light and was part of your thought process when you were Attorney General. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about, about your Facebook post. The first one, and I quote, it's where, and you mentioned it in your remarks, 
It has always been my view that the Attorney General of Canada must be nonpartisan, more transparent, and in this respect, always willing to speak truth to power. Do you believe, for the record, that you were removed as the Attorney General because you spoke truth to power on the topic of the SNC ongoing prosecution? Well, uh, thank you for, for the question, and I um, am going to have to be very careful what I say. I understand. Um, I believe that I am able to speak to my thought processes um, uh, from January the 7th up to and in, up to the time that I was sworn in as the Veterans Affairs Minister. Yes. Um, I think it's apparent from my remarks that I was... Uh, concerned that the reason why I was being shuffled out of the Minister of Justice and Attorney General um, possibly was uh, because of a decision I would not take on SNC and the DPA. I raised those concerns with the Prime Minister and with Jerry Butts. Um, and as I said in my remarks, um, those were um, denied. Um, I cannot speak to anything that I thought about after that point. I, I appreciate that. Second, um, second part of this letter, you say that the unique and independent aspects of the dual role of the Minister of Justice and the Attorney General of Canada are even more important. I know Canadians across the country expect such high standards to continue to be met, especially in the uncertain times in which we now live, and I expect this to continue. I'd like to know if you are concerned that it's possible that the independence of the Office of the Attorney General is being eroded now, given what you've told us in your testimony today, your understanding that the current Attorney General was to be briefed on the SNC-Lavalin deferment decision? Well, thanks for the, for the question, and I w will not comment on the current Attorney General, um, but I will comment on um, when I was the Attorney General and the thoughts that I had um, when I was on vacation in Bali um, and when I received a, a call from the Prime Minister. Um, while I was the Attorney General through these four months, uh, leaving aside all of the very inappropriate political pressure, uh, interference, um, I was confident in my role as the Attorney General that I was the final decision maker on whether or not um, uh, an, a directive would be um, introduced on the SNC matter. So I knew as long as I was the Attorney General, this would not occur. Um, I had concerns that when I was removed as the Attorney General that this potentially might not be the case. I decided that um, I would embrace this new role, a very important role, and I really want to say publicly that uh, the role of Veterans Affairs is an incredibly important role, and I took it very seriously. Um, but I had decided to take on the role um, requested of me by the Prime Minister, but I had concerns and I knew that in my new role, still sitting around the cabinet table, if there had been a directive that was placed into the Gazette, I would have resigned immediately from cabinet. Thank you very Mayor much. Uh, Ms. O'Connell. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you for being here today and for providing your notes. I think they're helpful. Um, my set of questions, I want to kind of get a, a general sense of some timelines. I know you've laid it out here, but just in trying to keep up a little bit. Um, would you say, or is it fair to say that in and around, and if I have the wrong date, please correct me, September 17th, I think is when you first met with the Prime Minister uh, on which, where it wasn't, the, the purpose of the meeting wasn't at first for uh, the SNC-Lavalin, but it was brought up. And is it fair to say, was it at that point that you felt the questions of um, your role in, on this matter, that you were uncomfortable at that point? Or would you say you were uncomfortable from the initial feedback that you heard that your chief of staff had been contacted by Mr. Chin? So let's kind of start there. So there's a couple of questions in yeah. there. Um, if I don't answer them, please let me. Yeah, uh, um, no uh, so the, the reason for the, I requested the September 17th meeting, as okay. I said, on a, on a different equal, on an important matter. Um, uh, as I said, the Prime Minister um, brought up SNC and the Deferred Prosecution Agreement. And uh, with the clerk present, we had conversations about SNC. Um, well, he brought up SNC about jobs and the potential of job loss. And I will say, um, entirely appropriate conversations for the prime minister to bring up. Um, what I will say is that the conversations turned to be completely inappropriate when there was discussion about um, the Quebec election about the fact that the Prime Minister was a member of Parliament uh, in Quebec. It was at that point that um, I immediately um, became concerned and because I was the Attorney General, um, sought to um, have a conversation with the Prime Minister about the law, about the role of the Attorney General and the necessary independence that the Attorney General must have in exercising their discretion, in this case around a prosecution. Um, the political concerns that were raised prompted me to ask the question of the Prime Minister directly if he was politically interfering with my role as the Attorney General. So at that point, my senses were heightened. Um, the Prime Minister assured me that that was not the case. Um, but um, soon thereafter, um, I instructed my staff and myself as well to uh, ensure that we had a very detailed chronology of all meetings um, and uh, conversations about SNC and deferred prosecution agreements. Thank you. So you wouldn't say that it was a red flag um, necessarily on the topic or the conversations um, with Mr. Chin on September 7th, because it was those conversations about businesses. It was once the conversation in your mind changed to uh, any politics. Or were you equally concerned on September 7th? On the September, on the earlier meetings prior to the meeting with the Prime Minister, um, Ben Chin had conversations with my Chief of Staff. And again, in terms of public policy, in terms of having discussions about impacts of decisions uh, and loss of jobs, um, 
that was appropriate. Okay. Um, but I will say, um, in those calls, and I don't have my notes in front of me, but I have a pretty uh, uh, generous memory. Um, Mr. Chin raised the Quebec election, and I will say it's okay to talk about job losses. It's okay to talk about it in initial conversations, but when those topics continue to be brought up after there's a clear awareness that a decision has been made, it becomes inappropriate. Thank you for clarifying. And, um, sir, I just want to clarify on that point because you mentioned you have notes and a pretty good memory. Um, but in the uh, written submission or your verbal remarks, any conversations, at least from September 7th, 8th, I think 11th, um, at least involving Mr. Chin, were with your staff, not you directly. Did you leave out conversations that you also had, or was it just notes that you had from your conversations with somebody who had a conversation with Mr. Chin? I just want to clarify. Yeah, sure. Mentioned. No, I'm happy. I'm happy to answer the question if you'd permit me just to um, speak about how ministers, at least my minister's office, works. Um, I have an incredibly close relationship, necessarily so, with my chief of staff. I also at that time had and a very close relationship with my judicial affairs advisor, who throughout some of this period of time was acting as my chief of staff, given that we were out of the country. Um, whenever my chief of staff has a conversation, um, she takes notes on the conversation and immediately relays the conversation to me, particularly in cases where there's concerns about the conversations that were had. Um, so the close relationship and the necessary closeness of the relationship um, makes it um, that she and I um, uh, are um, sharing important information and proceeding on the same basis with respect to the meetings, telephone calls, and emails that she would receive. It is her obligation. And Again, we're listening job. to Jody Wilson-Raybould. Uh, she's taking questions now from the Justice Committee uh, up in Ottawa after having made some rather interesting comments earlier in her 30-plus minute uh, preamble to taking questions. And uh, Effectively, uh, in a nutshell, I'll strip it all for, away for you, uh, all the other stuff, the niceties. They tried to compromise her, is what she's saying. She felt pressured and that there was political interference coming from principals in the PMO, including the Prime Minister himself, uh, Prime Minister having reiterated that there's a Quebec election upcoming during the timeline in September, October, and also that he's a Quebec MP, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that kind of idea. And uh, in her detailed chronology that she kept in the aftermath, it tends to suggest she didn't trust the folks in the PMO and wanted to document everything for uh, future consideration. Now, here are Jody Wilson-Raybould's opening remarks, in case you missed them, within the last hour. For a period of approximately four months between September and December of 2018, I experienced a consistent and sustained effort by many people within the government to seek to politically interfere in the exercise of prosecutorial discretion in my role as the Attorney General of Canada in an inappropriate effort to secure a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. Within these conversations, there were expressed statements regarding the necessity of interference in the SNC-Lavalin matter, the potential of consequences, and veiled threats if a DPA was not made available to SNC. 
A few weeks later, on January the 7th, 2019, I was informed by the Prime Minister that I was being shuffled out of the role of Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada. All right. The DPA, by the way, is a deferred uh, prosecutorial uh, agreement, and therefore uh, it's kind of buying uh, a plea deal for SNC-Lavalin, according to Jody Wilson-Raybould, again in her preamble. But this is where the rubber meets the road. She then dropped this bombshell. My chief of staff said that this would obviously be perceived as interference and her boss questioning the DPP's decision. Mathieu said that if... Six months from the election, SNC announces they're moving their headquarters out of Canada. That is bad. He said, quote, we can have the best policy in the world, but we need to get reelected, end quote. Again, uh, this is where she's unequivocal, uh, pressured political interference, uh, again, mentioning names, Jerry Butts, her meeting in the Chateau Laurier with Mr. Butts, Katie Telford, who actually said some interesting things about... uh, Wanting to, uh, I guess, make everything smooth by uh, recruiting people to write positive op-eds about Jody Wilson-Raybould being on side with their plan uh, to cut SNC-Lavalin a better deal and going to the Department of Public Prosecutors or the prosecutor. And in this instance, she refused. She said, uh, no, that decision had been made. Uh, She's at arm's length. And therefore, uh, as she suggested, uh, she would not yield to their entreaties and solicitations. She also talked about a meeting that she had with the Prime Minister last September. While the meeting was not about the issue of SNC and DPAs, the Prime Minister raised the issue immediately. The Prime Minister asked me to help out, to find a solution here for SNC, citing that if there is no DPA, there would be many jobs lost and that SNC would move from Montreal. In response, I explained to him the law and what I have the ability to do and not do under the Director of Public Prosecutions Act around issuing directives or assuming conduct of prosecutions. I told him that I had done my due diligence and had made up my mind on SNC and that I was not going to interfere with the decision of the, of the director. In response, the Prime Minister reiterated his concerns. I then explained how this came about and that I had received a Section 13 note from the DPP earlier in September and that I had considered the matter very closely. Further, I further stated that I was very clear on my role as the Attorney General and that I am not prepared to issue a directive in this case that it would not be appropriate. The Prime Minister again cited the potential loss of jobs and SNC moving. Again, Jody Wilson-Raybould, this is the testimony within the last hour before the House Justice Committee, uh, and she, of course, wasn't able to take it beyond uh, the time or her tenure as the Attorney General after the Cabinet shuffle in early January. It kind of stopped abruptly there, and uh, she cites again uh, her inability to to comment. Uh, I guess that's uh, because she's lawyered up and was told uh, this really was only relevant to her purview as the AG or Justice Minister. Now, uh, interestingly enough, uh, it was also suggested at that cabinet shuffle uh, that, I guess by people close to the Prime Minister, that the new minister, uh, the Justice Minister AG Lametti, will be asked about SNC. She didn't go into uh, further detail or speculate as to how that might play out, but uh, she did say 
she would refuse to sit at the cabinet table if it came to be uh, that there was a deal cobbled together to favor SNC. However, her resignation does speak uh, volumes, and it tends to suggest, as she said in her closing remarks, that uh, she saw undue pressure and political interference and wanted to speak truth to power, and therefore upon principle. As a matter of fact, she even dialed it into her own family and uh, her own background's experiences in the rule of law not being adhered to when it comes to Indigenous peoples, and she saw it as a foundational principle upon which all else rests in a free and democratic society uh, that continues to uphold these values, and uh, therefore this was uh, seemingly everything that was being uh, placed upon her, and she saw these as serious red flags, her words, serious red flags, uh, sought to compromise her, and uh, she would not yield. And as a consequence, I guess we can draw our own conclusions, but it's interesting because she also took some time to reflect on what was going on in her mind while all of this was unfolding. In my role as Attorney General, I had received the decision of the DPP in September, had reviewed the matter, made a decision on what was appropriate given a DPA, and communicated that to the Prime Minister. I had also taken additional steps that the Prime Minister asked me to, such as meeting with the clerk. In my view, the communications and efforts to change my mind on this matter should have stopped. Various officials also urged me to take partisan political considerations into account, which it was clearly improper for me to do so. We either have a system that is based on the rule of law the independence of prosecutorial functions and respect for those charged to use their discretion and powers in a particular way, or we do not. Again, Jody Wilson-Raybould, inflammatory stuff just within the hour up there in the House of Commons, and the Justice Committee uh, finally gets to hear from her. Everybody was anticipating uh, either that she would be more or less stifled because there were still restrictions upon how much she could say. Uh, She clarified that point, suggesting beyond, again, being the AG, she couldn't comment in a role when the cabinet shuffle came down on the 11th of January and she was relegated to Veterans Affairs. Although she did suggest it was still important work, uh, there was obviously that tinge of disappointment. However, uh, some of the key points, again, the Prime Minister's office sought to interfere. She said that uh, this implies Jerry Butts, Katie Telford. Katie Telford, again, said we'll line up all kinds of people to write op-eds, saying effectively that she did the right thing. Interesting, isn't that, that they have the wherewithal to line up all kinds of people to write op-eds? It's kind of the spin doctors. We'll get out in front of this one, and we'll make you look good. Uh, I guess they've got certain media outlets on speed dial. Uh, Maybe that $600 million that has been granted to struggling media outlets uh, will come in handy now. Uh, I myself was paid $65 to help in toppling democracy. uh, There you go. Uh, So, yeah, they're going to call in a favor. However, uh, this is where it gets rather interesting. She stresses again and again her independence and the prosecutorial distance, but also suggested she wanted to protect the prime minister from political interference or the perceived political interference. So in other words, she's uh, trying to give him or his operatives the heads up, like, hey, don't make me, uh, don't put me in this position. I'm trying to protect you guys from what you're trying to sell me on. And uh, that becomes very, very dramatic, as we've seen now, uh, where if there's another shoe to drop, it'll be increasingly uh, interesting, as Lisa Raid asked her about the potential that there are some things that she's still withholding now that could... uh, 
perhaps add uh, more resonance to the story that's already fairly resonant. However, uh, Lisa Raitt did ask about why she was removed because of a decision I would not take. Seems to be her answer. However, on these matters and more, we'll uh, pick up on that with our panel coming up into Hour 2 of The Oakley Show. We've cleared the decks into Hour 1 so that we could hear direct testimony that was much anticipated from Jody Wilson-Raybould. Obviously, another big story is the storm engulfing Toronto, 15 to 20 centimeters of snow. We'll get the story on exactly what the road conditions are as people are embarking on their afternoon or evening commute. The afternoon could turn into the evening as far as that's concerned because, again, uh, we've faced this already, and it seems like there's always an issue with travel times around the rush hour as well as the road conditions. So uh, all of that will be updated for you shortly, and then we'll drill down on what Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony really said uh, not just the subtax, but overtly, I think, she threw some people under the bus, was rather unapologetic about it, and came off, to my mind anyway, uh, sounding rather principled and explained why that all is uh, fascinating. The first hour will continue on into Hour 2 of The Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.